Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation is the passage from Ephesians that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. This is way bigger than husbands and wives. She sat with her arms crossed and the beginnings of a pout on her lips, while he sat back with a triumphant expression on his face. I think it was the second, maybe the third week of premarital counseling, and we just finished reviewing Ephesians 5.22. But before I could get to the next verse, he blurted out, You see, you have to obey me. That was when I realized they misunderstood this passage, and I really needed to change their perception, but mostly his. I started. Well, let me tell you the second verse. And I did. But it didn't change his view. So I continued by explaining. You see, you have a very specific requirement as to the husband. You are responsible for emulating Christ's love for his bride, the church. And Christ's love for her was so deep, he was willing to die for her. That was when the smug expression began to melt from his face. And she unfolded her arms and turned, focusing on each word I said to him. I continued, If you love her like Christ loved the church, you'd be willing to die for her before you ever demanded any obedience from her. It's not every day we look at this passage or even admit that it exists in Scripture. It can be uncomfortable to talk about with those who are not familiar with the Bible. Even if we explain it carefully and lovingly, like I did for this couple, it's rarely, if ever, received well. After all, we are an increasingly disobedient culture. We disobey traffic laws without even blinking an eye. 
We lie to those in authority over us, and we groan from the very depths of our soul when a new rule is foisted upon us. We are reluctant to recognize that new rules and policies are enacted to cover the gap in the old rule where we found the loophole to obedience to begin with. But there is more than uncomfortable conversation at work in the world today. There is a much more radical movement afoot than casual disobedience. This movement is a blatant effort to oppose biblically sound teaching and understanding, and when given the leeway to legislate, seeks to do away with it altogether. I'm sure it's not lost on any of you today that popular culture suggests that men are women if they want to be. And likewise, women can call themselves men if they want to. Now, normally, we might take the simple live and let live approach. Not my problem. You can say whatever you want to say. You do you, we say. But standing by, saying nothing about these blatant false concepts has actually caused injustice to occur and perpetrated on the most vulnerable in our culture. Boys professing to be girls are now crushing girls in women's sports in some state high school competitions. A man competing as a woman in an MMA fight literally cracked the skull of his actual female opponent. A professor of endocrinology at a medical school was forced to apologize for saying when a woman is pregnant because the students said it implied that only women can get pregnant, and a man who identifies as a woman won the Nevada State Beauty Pageant to compete in Miss America. It's as if our cultural elitists are saying, mm -hmm. men truly are better than women in everything, including being a woman. It's no longer live and let live. It is blatantly hurting women we are supposed to love enough to die for, not love so little their life isn't worth living. It's no longer live and let live. It's hurting women who are losing the even playing field they fought for over a century ago to achieve to this day. And we can no longer stand by and allow them to be socially excoriated for simply pointing out this clear failure of fairness. But all that being said, and as laudable and necessary as that fight is, the real root of the problem is the attack of something even more important than equal rights for women. It is an actual attack on the root of our very human creation. Satan has entered the ring and he is creating a creation of his own making, creating discord, disorder, disobedience, and ultimately, division. And what better way to do it than break down the very fabric of God's design from the very beginning? In the garden, God created us man and woman, Adam and Eve. After the fall into the chaos of sin for eating the tree of which they were forbidden to eat, God set up man as the head of the woman, as Christ is the head of the church, and woman as submissive to man, as the church 
submits to Christ. It's in this context that Christ showed the ultimate purpose of an actual man and an actual woman in actual relationship with one another. That person purpose was the salvation of all humankind. But the devil knows. If he can get men and women to disobey their created reality, sin will rule and souls will be lost to him. Satan knows that will aid in his rebellion as he divides us from God and brings chaos back into the world instead of the structure God established in the order of creation. The devil loves nothing more than the confusion of language, the obfuscation of terms and identity, the insanity of mob rule and mass appeal, appealing to the inventive imaginations of the masses which change every day. When we fall for the inventions of our imaginations and worship our minds like gods, we fall like Adam and Eve who imagine themselves to be gods and the brutal consequences of sin, division, disobedience, discord, and disorder become the normative hell of our own making we have to live in and risk denying the love of Jesus showed us by dying on the cross to save us from ourselves. And when we no longer believe he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, we become slaves to any whim of the culture whose only goal is to enslave us. Jesus' resurrection from the dead shows us that this is not the life we have no choice but to live. We get to live free and unashamed of what we actually are. Sinners, saved by grace, never to be confused again. When we see we are a part of his holy family, we are no longer subject to the false social science whose claims are only made up only to undermine Christ. And when we live free, we live without fear. For the trolls of the web world cannot kill us or conform us. They can only hide behind their internet anonymity that does nothing but hide their cowardly creations ready to crumble under the next wave of antichrist cancel culture. This is way bigger than husbands and wives. This is the undeniable eternal world God created for us to dwell in so we never lose hope knowing he dwells with us protect us and love us without end. Amen.